it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Welcome to another uh, episode of Poetry in Motion. If you're listening online, thank you uh, once again for choosing one of the Blood Red podcasts. Really appreciate your support. If you're walking the dogs across a beach or you're walking across a field or you're having a lovely, a lovely fresh air day and filling your lungs and you've got your owl hair, earphones on and you listen to our podcast, much appreciated your company as always. Uh, we're going to talk everything at Liverpool Football Club. Um, something happened the weekend, can't remember what it was, but no doubt we'll chat about it. I'm joined by Stephen Killen. How are you, Stephen? All good. Um, trying to sort of wind down after a, a quiet week. Or it's not really a quiet week at all, has it? Never is with Liverpool these days. No, it isn't. So you've got somewhere a lovely little uh, background pegging going on there. What have you done there? <laughs> no, this is the um, this is the makeshift office. This this is all Mark's, is. Uh, Mark's concoction. I like it, mate. I like it a lot. It looks like you're waiting to get a passport photo. Um, <laughs> Ed Kay's here as well. How are you, Ed? Yeah, all good, mate. Like you say. Uh... Not been much to talk about this week. I don't think I'll be getting much of that uh, fresh air you're talking about. Though. It's, a bit, it's a bit miserable in Leeds today. Oh, no. No. Well, I don't know what it's like here. I'm in Manchester at the moment, but I don't know what it's like. I haven't looked out the window yet. Dent. Uh, all right, listen, let's talk about the weekend. Let's brush over it. It's been talked about to death. No doubt you've all done podcasts about this. Everyone listening will have heard every possible angle, if we can use that, um, to discuss uh, what happened. Uh, we'll just put it up in the nutshell, shall we? A uh, couple of seasons ago, uh, Diaz, was it, or Laporte, handles a ball in the box against Everton. Uh, a blatant handball that wasn't VAR checked, or was, but was allowed. Um, Man City go on to win the league by one point. Um, you know, such is the anger, I think, and rightly so, with, with what's happened at the weekend against Tottenham. Two players sent off. Um the Curtis Jones incidents, you can, you know, you can argue, you can argue tackles like that can 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 be sent off. My um, my problem with it, Ed, wasn't so much that um, the referee looked at it, but the referee ran up to a screen. This is the first bit of VAR nonsense. Ran up to a uh, a TV screen that was already freeze framed on the point of in, in uh, contact between between uh, Jordan Henderson's foot going into the other player's leg. Um, Long since thought this was ridiculous, mate. Surely, surely VAR should be offering up exactly the same speed um, with the entire move, so the referee gets to see what he got to see, and not uh, a chance to uh, to uh, to look into a completely different matter. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think this is why Liverpool appealed that Curtis Jones red card in the first place because I I, th- I think when you look at it, it, 
it's, it's sort of been 50-50, the opinion online. Most Liverpool fans don't think it's a red card. I certainly don't think it was a red card. You know, his, his foot he clearly gets the ball and his foot slips over the top of the ball and then comes into contact with Bissouma. But I think everyone's everyone's main bone to pick with that was was what Simon Hooper was shown when he went up to the screen. Obviously, it's just fixed on that that angle where it, it freeze frame where it looks like a leg breaker for about 10 seconds. And I mean, I, I've said this on other podcasts already, but, once he go, once he gets sent to the screen, I don't think it matters what they show him. We we all know what the result's going to be. We know Curtis Jones is going to get a red card as soon as he gets sent to that screen. So do, almost what what he's what he's shown is almost irrelevant. But the fact I think the fact we've all seen it, you know, he's just frozen on that freeze frame. And again, I think I think this is why Liverpool appealed it because if you look at the the, the rules of how VAR is supposed to be used, they're not supposed to just be sh- showing a freeze frame as the first thing he sees. They're recommended to be viewing these incidents back at full speed, and if you watch it at full speed, like I just don't see how you can see it as anything other than a genuine attempt to win the ball. Football is not a non-contact sport. Injuries are going to happen. It's unfortunate. It's part of the game. You look at what Jordan Pickford did to Van Dyke, however long ago. Why did VAR, why did VAR not intervene on that? Like seriously, if if that's the road we're going down, and I don't, I don't, I hesitate to use the phrase "oh, they're, they're ruining football" because that does sound a bit reactionary sometimes. But if Curtis Jones in the twentieth minute of a, uh, you know, probably Liverpool's biggest game of the season so far away at Spurs, they can go top of the league with a win. If he's not allowed to like make an attempt to win that ball there, then w- what are we doing? What what is the point of paying your money and watching Liverpool go into the matches, tuning in on TV, paying however much we we do to not even see every Premier League game if after 20 minutes in the biggest game of the season that we've all looked forward to all week, the game's essentially been ruined by another refereeing decision. It's it's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. I mean, Simon Hooper, for me, he, he got the decision right in real time with a yellow card. That's That was all it needed to be. And yeah, just being shown that freeze frame on the computer, I think it's, it's rightly riled a lot of people up because there's no other decision he can make when he sees that as the first thing he goes over on the screen for about 10 seconds, is there? No, and Stephen, the thing is, <clears throat> I mean, what Ed's, Ed's just said is, is correct, in, in my opinion. It's not even about that, because um, this has happened lots of times. It's, it happened last season, I think, with Carrie Kane going right through Andy Robertson. Uh, VAR didn't seem to want to interfere in that. Uh, it, was a, it was a terrible challenge. So, and it's this isn't just, I just don't want this to be a rant, an, an anti-Liverpool rant. It's not, because it's happening all over, all over the place. It's happening with all kinds of teams, all, time, all kinds of fans can pull up video stock footage of terrible decisions being made. But what's wrong with a referee? Because all they're doing is sort of admitting their part of the mistake if they give the decision. What's wrong with a referee going up to the screen and saying, forget that, play it at full speed so I can verify the decision I made was right? Because the yellow card at that moment is absolutely bang on right. We've seen countless games, derbies in the past, Man United games, big, big games where they've been absolutely ruined with 15 minutes in, 15, 20 minutes in, whatever, with a red card that just completely dissolves the game, ruins the game for everyone paying. When are they going to learn that people are paying a lot of money to watch these football matches and not being, not paying a lot of money to watch these football matches clipped after 15 minutes and, and sent in a completely different direction? Not wrong with any ref. And I think a ref with the guts to do it, that we could hear going, don't play it at slow motion, don't play it at an angle, play it at the angle that, and the speed that I would have seen it to make my first decision and then overruling and standing by his first decision. Because VAR is like this dark cloud, isn't it, that comes over the, sh- the ref's shoulders and says, 
no, you you look at the way we want to show you it, and then you'll realise you're wrong. It's not. It doesn't work that way. A referee should be able to make that decision, Stephen, shouldn't he? Yeah, and it feels like since the technologies came in, in particular, it almost feels like they've got reliance on this safety net where they can be right. I've got that decision wrong. What are you saying in Stockley Park? And I think that's maybe where it's fallen far because they're just relying on each other. And like I think when Mike Dean came out and said he didn't want to send his mate to the monitor, I just think the, the palliness and how everyone's mates behind the scenes, I think it's it sort of goes against the grain of the game. And I think with Liverpool or with football in general, I think it's just reached a juncture where it, it's a crisis point for VAR because I think there's something like 14 apologies have been issued. And now, now Klopp's asked for a replay. It's set a precedent and every team's going, wait, hang on, I've... I've had something. I've had a wrongdoing with VAR, so maybe we should have one too. And I think it's completely ruining the enjoyment. And as Ed said, that the fans are paying hard earned money, especially in a time of difficulty for everyone in the UK. I just think it's getting to a point now where it's becoming it's becoming ridiculous. And I think with the VAR in particular, I just I feel like when people mention these changes, nothing seems to get done. Like we've said it time and time again, where it's going in slow motion, play it in real time, or you don't, you don't play it in real time, and then you say, "Stop! Don't put it on a still image." When he first come over, they still put it on a still image. It doesn't seem like it seems like a lot of a lot of um, PGMOL statements are coming through, and they're just going like that, throw it out, and then just let, let's all go to the pub and let's just sit down and enjoy our, our steak dinner. But it's getting to the point now where it's becoming a farce. And I think just on the um, the Jones situation, I think if you watch football and if you see Jones as a player, he's the type of player who does make that chop action when he gets the ball. Start as a a typical Jones movement, maybe if Basuma wasn't a few yards away, he would have just went over the ball, chopped it and regained possession. But he's obviously went over the ball and Basuma's on calves right there and it's just caught him. But I think common sense in the game has been lost and I think we speak about common sense quite a lot. It just doesn't seem to apply in football these days. Uh, no, it doesn't. And, and it, 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 you know, people are saying now you get you get the anger, first of all, and then you get the, the online things of like, all right, let it go now, forget about it. You're not going to get a, a match replay. I mean, match replay is, is, a, is a, a very difficult thing to organise and a very difficult thing to do with, with respect to, 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 to the, um, the fixture list and stuff. But, and we'll just say this on it, really, and we'll move on because we don't know really. You can talk about this for the entire hour. And people already have. That's a problem. Ed, there has to be an end to this um, this self-regulating, though, doesn't there? Because uh, there has to be an independent body, surely, that's brought in to, to look at the mistakes that these are making and saying, well, you can't just issue a statement saying... Because um, it's been... A, it was just a torrent of lies, wasn't it? First of all, the... the uh, um, you know, the, the, the technology wasn't available to give to Sky. Uh, of course, there have been plenty of comments saying that Sky was in bed with them really and just uh, from professional professional and ex-professional players saying Sky um, helped out the PGWOL, PGWOL whatever they're called um, uh, and, and backed them up and said we didn't have the stuff available and um, and then we clearly did didn't we because we've heard the, the audio so there has to be an independent body that comes across here otherwise they just keep doing it and then releasing 48 hours later apologies Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, they just don't help themselves at all. That Sean Bradbury made this point on the um, on the Blood Red Pod earlier this week. The, the whole thing just needs they need to take a look at the entire culture of the way that they work in, especially in that VAR hub, and the whole thing just needs to be completely stripped back and professionalised because it's all it's all too pally pally. It's too matey. You've got you've got about seven different people talking in that VAR hub. Everyone's talking over each other. There's only one of them who's actually talking sense, who um, is this uh, Ollie something, I can't remember his, his last name for the life of me, but um, he's the one calling in saying to to delay the game. You've then got Michael Oliver thinking he's being spoken to because people are saying Ollie is saying to delay the game, which is they shouldn't be calling each other by their nicknames. In, in the, There's too much money riding on the decisions that these people are making. There's too many people who are too invested in what happens in this game. You know, we're, we're all invested. People have spent too much money to go there. People have spent too much money to watch it on the TV. This is the best league in the world. The whole thing just needs to be so much more professional. How the the clubs voted against this semi-automated offside that we've seen in the Champions League and all across Europe, I've got absolutely no idea. And the fact that they've voted against that does make me sympathize with them a lot less because it's like you 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 know these officials are rubbish they've shown you it for years they've shown it game in game out there's mistakes every week with VAR now you you know they're inept so why would you not vote for this semi-automated system that you know will work you know will probably work quicker all right maybe there'll be a technological failing at some point but you'd hope at that point somebody will cotton on quickly and go hang on stop the game which is what should happen in this case you know, somebody in that VAR room has got to just take some initiative. Like, we're, everyone's saying, like, oh, I, can't, I couldn't, couldn't do anything, couldn't do anything, and, and everyone's sympathising with them. Like, we're, we're not children. Like, you shouldn't need to be told that that should have been brought back within 30 seconds. All this nonsense about he, he didn't know, the on-field referee didn't know until half-time, and it's like, well... A, I don't believe that for for a second. And B, even if he did find out at half time, does that not then influence his refereeing for the entire second half of the game? You know, quite often referees will look to even it up if they know they've made a howler of a decision earlier on the, in the first half. All right, maybe not so much now in the VAR era, but certainly before VAR, that that was definitely a thing. And instead, he's he sent Diogo Jota off for two yellow cards, neither of which was debatably even a foul I mean the second one was stupid from him but I mean the first one he, he, he doesn't even touch him and then that guy the guy who's on the floor signals for a card doesn't get booked for that I think he was already on a yellow as well that rule's gone out the window there's just there's no consistency and and, and like I say the, the whole thing just needs to be completely stripped back and, and professionalized because at, at present it, it's just not good enough and like we say that there's an apology pretty much every week now well, as uh, Ed says, Stephen, uh, uh, this 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 pre-season or uh, vote by managers and, and clubs to decide whether to take on the semi-automated uh, VAR, um, 
it would be interesting, Stephen, wouldn't it, to find out what the ratios of clubs that voted against that? Because you can't imagine any of the big clubs would vote against that, surely? They'd want a clinical. Would it be the smaller clubs? It'd be interesting to know. And if the likes of Liverpool got back and it said that they'd voted against having it, then, yeah, you're right, Ed. You know, you kind of lose a bit of sympathy for, for, for Liverpool and teams who voted against trying to take this system out of the hands of people who clearly don't know how to use it. I mean... The audio is, is is of 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 the whole transcript is ridiculous, isn't it? It's 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 it sounds like uh, Dave shouting, Barry shouting, Gary shouting, Steve shouting. Is that you, Steve? No, it's Dave. Where's Barry? It's just it's just unbelievable, isn't it? And and and, and hard to believe that something can happen in modern day football like that. One thing that people haven't mentioned is the amount of gambling. The amount of not that I'm an advocate of gambling. I, I can't stand gambling, but the amount of people who put a bet on and put certain kinds of bets on nowadays. Um, I had I had one about a guy who had Diaz to score, Son to score, uh, several bookings, um, and he, he, it was it, it, his odds were nine hundred and fifty to one. He put a tenner on it. He was looking at nine and a half grand. There's probably bigger accumulatives than that. There's probably bigger ratios than that. And 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 those people are losing money. You know, there must have been an absolute fortune lost with the amount of uh, of of bets that Diaz was a part of. So. It's just, it's just an absolute shit show, isn't it? Let's be honest with you. And and the quicker they, they get this thing sorted out, the better. And and, and taking it out of the hands. But I think for this, Stephen, there has to be some more accountability, doesn't there? Yeah, and no, I think I think more and more we're getting more people call, calling it out and calling for referees to do these post-match interviews. It'll be interesting to see what they say because like it gets to a point where you're wondering, it's just you go behind the screen and then that's it, and then it's like. Throwing a grenade into a into whatever, isn't it? Just letting letting everyone see see how it goes. But I think with with the audio, it was like listening back to one of your school plays, isn't it? And just the, the cringe you were feeling, and it's just like it was it was horrible to listen to. us in the car, and as I um, as I pulled over and listened to it, I was like, it's just it's absolutely mind bending. It's like there's no, there's, it's inexcusable. And I think I think with referees, it's and football, it's different. Twenty walk life, we know that we say that every week. But these sorts of mistakes don't go punished, or they go unpunished. Sorry, and it's just. Only people. The only, the only thing that suffers is the people and the clubs who are on the receiving end of it. And I think, as we said, there's a um, there's a mistake every week. And even on the Sunday, I think the, the Nottingham Forest referee, the goalkeeper, he took out the striker as he got closed down. It's just it doesn't seem to be getting anywhere, and it doesn't seem to be any sort of resolution soon. And it, it's, it's always promises, and it's always someone coming out on the Monday where it's good for the Howard Webb, and you can all sit there and you can be like, oh yeah, we've done this. It's a good. It's it's a good um, good output, but I, I just don't know. It's it's just to refer back to the old John Coleman thing. You fall out of you fall out of love with football a bit, aren't you? Each time this comes through, and it's just I'm starting to starting to lose um, lose track of what's going on with it. Well, I I it's customary now for me when the pool score to just wait because you never know. And that was the one occasion when I, I, I jumped up and was bouncing around hugging the kids, and then and then got called back. I went, that, there's no way. That was offside. And when you listen to the audio, I don't know whether any of you are familiar with it, but when you listen to the audio and everyone listening on on, on on this podcast, the only sound that was missing off that audio, the transcript, was Leroy Jenkins. I don't know whether you're, you're familiar with this, uh, with the classic Leroy Jenkins running into the uh, the castle. Um, if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, just YouTube it. It's very very funny, but it's a lot of it's a lot of online gamers waiting to storm a castle, and then one of the guys playing on the on on, on the line. Just runs in and gets them all killed. Um, but it's very, very funny. That's the only thing you missed. All right, look, 
we'll move aside from that because it just it 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 just sort of riles me up. <laughs> And um, but I liked your I liked your analogy, Stephen, of, of chucking a hand grenade into a room full of referees. That's what you said, wasn't it? Um, definitely not. <laughs> any, no, no, definitely not. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about last night's game. Liverpool comfortable in the Europa League. Um, Union Saint Louis, however you want to uh, pronounce them, uh, were the latest to come to Anfield. A huge game for a club like this. Ed, uh, we 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 saw the footage of of them dancing up and down when they got the draw. Of course, we had Kevin McAllister playing it. Uh, for them, uh, brother of of um, our very old McAllister, Alexis McAllister. Um, it was a funny game, wasn't it? Ed, Ed, Liverpool are one of them teams, aren't they, sometimes when the quality of the opposition tends to determine how we end up playing. And it was a, it was a stuttering kind of un-Liverpool performance, wasn't it? You know, they were, they were pressed and they didn't really deal with it very well. And, uh, and it wasn't the easiest night's football, let's be honest, was it, in the end? Well, it was, no. but it was, but not, but the, you know, the, 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 by the result it was, but it was a tough game. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I'd have described it as a comfortable game, but I think still Liverpool never never really got out of second gear, which is, which is why. I think it was a little bit uncomfortable at times, but I don't think they really needed to. I mean, about the most surprising thing I saw all night was finding out that uh, Kevin McAllister, great name, by the way. Um, I'm not sure when we play him again, but hopefully it is in December because the amount of Home Alone jokes on the timeline on Twitter will be phenomenal. But uh, yeah, I think about the most surprising thing was finding out that he's a five foot seven centre half and he actually actually played quite well. Uh, I mean, he played better than the last uh, small centre half to a... Uh, Come to Anfield, who uh, obviously got uh, turned inside out by Mo Salah the butcher. Um, but we'll uh, we'll stray away from talking about Man United, although it would be fun to just laugh at them for uh, for half an hour. Um, yeah, no, I mean it, it, Liverpool, as I said, it didn't really have to get out of second gear. It, it wasn't a comfortable performance, but it, it was nice to see Ryan Gravenberg um, get a goal. Obviously, that shot from Trent. I mean, just the keeper's got to do better there, hasn't he? I mean, that's that's the sort of goal that you expect to see in a game where there's there's such a golfing class between the two sides. You know, you're not going to see Allison or even probably Kelleher making a mistake like that. And and Gravenberg was was there, and I thought he was lively all night. So obviously lively in the box and, and managed to get his first Liverpool goal. So that was a a nice moment for him and a, and a nice moment for everyone. I think he's settled in quite well. You think he's probably reaping the benefits of having not gone away on that uh, international break with the Netherlands. I know Ronald Koeman wasn't too happy about that. And there's an international break coming up pretty soon. So we'll we'll see if he does end up going with the Netherlands on that one. But yeah, I, th- I think he's settled in really well. He was probably the big positive on the night. Obviously managed to get Salah, Nunes, the likes of them off. And hopefully they'll be fit and ready for Brighton at the weekend. No real injury issues for them. I, I think Nunes' miss, that was a bad one, wasn't it? I mean, if, if we're going to look for any negatives from the game, that, that wasn't really great. And he, he didn't stay on long enough to get any more of his, his chances that would have got would have come and, and probably a customary goal. 
as well. But I mean, Diogo Jota just getting a goal again. I mean, he's he's just got an ability. He brings something unique that I think none of our other attackers have when it comes to being in the box and and just managing to to get a shot away. You know, he manages to sort of get his himself across that defender and get that left footed shot away into the bottom corner. And once he once he got lot sort of a yard to shoot, I don't think anybody doubted that that was going to be the result and that 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 obviously sealed the game for Liverpool but yeah like I say not not a comfortable one but it didn't feel like one where Liverpool really needed to kick up into third fourth fifth gear even in order to get the result on the night yeah they have their ability Stephen don't they Liverpool to just sort of draw themselves back to the level that they're playing at sometimes and and you know unions uh you just call them union um you know, they had the moments, didn't they? They had the chances. They had a header that flashed over the bar. It was a, it was a clear cut header. And obviously, Klopp made a lot of changes again. And um, I thought um, uh, Kwanzaa at the back did very, very well. He's a very strong lad, very fast lad. Um, but Gravenberg was the standout, I think, for me. When he was skillful, he was fast. He knows, he, he feels like his natural thing is to go forward, doesn't it? His first touches forward and a uh, very positive player. Harvey Elliott was very, very good as well. But... Uh, Endo, I think, was quite solid, and, and the feelings possibly that he might have uh, played his way into the uh, into the the midfield against Brighton at the weekend. It's going to be a, on Sunday. It's going to be a big game. It's going to be a tough game. Brighton are, are a great side, although uh, capitulated uh, recently, but still a good side. But you feel like um, McAllister still. I mean, it'd probably be as Lobbersla, McAllister, uh, and Endo midfield. But you just feel like one of them needs to do some defensive midfield work. And McAllister still, I mean, he gave a ball last night away that luckily the, the, the player ran onto and and, um, and Alisson saved, but he, he just seems to be a little bit getting caught in possession, doesn't he? And still needs to find his feet, um, McAllister. But you, Endo was solid enough, does the easy things well. Yeah, it's what you'd ask for from your defensive midfielder, isn't it? I don't think you want them to be doing half turns and all sorts of Maradona spins in the middle of the pitch. You want them to be, to do the bread and butter, play the ball, and I think with what Klopp's asked of Endo, it's, it's completely different to what he's used to at like Stuttgart and his previous clubs. He wants him to play further forward and sort of be that more progressive defensive midfielder that stops the attack rather than has to weather them when they're coming towards him. But just on the air, obviously, the, the game I think with Union, I think Liverpool, it is becoming a worry, the fact that Liverpool seem to drop down a level. That was a good point you made there, Neil. It's just like, it felt like one of them FA Cup third round games, didn't it? Where it's like, team like haven't Waterlooville for example where they take the lead whatever but I think Liverpool were lucky and he sort of rode the luck at times because I think Alisson even nearly had a, a howler when he punched it into his own net almost and quanta clear but it's it's wake up signs for Liverpool and I think it's them sort of uh, performances they don't want to make a catalogue of especially when you go into a go into a, a series of games like Brighton where it's a team who were very much resurgent now. I think they've done well to get come back against Marseille. And ever, the midfield, I think McAllister maybe does need some time out the squad because he has been sort of thrown in the deep end and plunged in a bit where he's been asked to do a role he's not necessarily comfortable with. And he might just sort of be in that in between, should I stay, should I go? And it might be sort of playing on his mind a bit, with, especially with the amount of minutes he's played. I don't think he expected to come in at least to learn a new role. And I think it might be a good game for Endo to come in and have a go at because... I think Brighton we've seen, especially last season when they turned Liverpool over twice, that they have them midfield runners and you need someone more defensively minded to sort of weather that and stop it at, at its source. 
Yeah, and it's going to be a type of game, think Ed, isn't it, with Brighton? I mean, West Ham did them by countering them, but Brighton are on the second side, they're a fast side down the flanks, and they, uh, they're certainly going to be having a go at Liverpool. You know, just a, a minor concern. I mean, Allison's, you know, we're blessed to have a keeper like Allison. He's an incredible goalkeeper, probably the world, best goalkeeper in the world. But he's, he, he doesn't perform very well under pressure, does he? I mean, time and time again, he, he does this ball, knocking around the back lark, and then just mishits it or gives possession away. That's something we're going to have to look out for, I think, at the weekend, because Brighton will will try and uh, push and press Liverpool as much as possible. He just needs to, I think they just need to cater for that fact that if there is any kind of slight kink in the armour uh, for Alisson, it's it's that it's that ability to, to sort of come under a little bit of pressure with the ball on his feet and, and, and give away possession. He did it a couple of times last night and um, when you didn't really think the union were going to provide that much pressure, but he still sort of succumbed to it. So, got to be careful of that, haven't we? Got to be careful of the... The playing at the back is not really it's not one of his strong suits, I don't think. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the one thing Edison is better than him at. I, th- I think who gets picked for Brazil, it, I think it used to be Allison more often than not. I think it might be Edison who's getting picked ahead of him at the moment. Maybe that probably just depends on what the coach wants from his goalkeeper in any given game. You know, if he thinks his goalkeeper is going to be pressed, then he's probably going to go for for Edison. But, I mean, obviously, Alisson, he's still great with his feet. You know, you think of those assists to Salah against United and, and against City, obviously the one where Salah spins João Cancelo. I, I, I think it's just become part of, of modern football, hasn't it, really? Those heart-in-mouth moments with your goalkeeper. I mean, every top club wants a goalkeeper who can play out from the back, who can play like these these ridiculous passes. Everyone wants a goalkeeper who can come out and play in midfield in all their training sessions, things like that. You know, you see clips of Edison doing that quite often. I mean, yeah, I think I don't like it personally. I mean, I, I was a keeper for a bit when I was younger and I... My first thought was just to clear my lines every time the ball came anywhere near me. I, I did not want any of my defenders passing the ball back to me. That that was a, a point my coach was uh, quite keen for me to improve on. But yeah, it, it, it just goes against all, all the instincts that you've sort of been brought up on watching football, watching your keeper take all these chances. And look, at it, like I say, it's part of modern football. They're going to get caught out every once in a while. Alisson... Maybe he's a little bit more vulnerable than some, but I think he more than makes up for it in everything else that he does. I mean, I'm I'm on the record on just about every podcast I've been on on this channel. I think he's I think he's the best goalkeeper in the world by an absolute mile. I think he's phenomenal. I mean, I, I don't I don't think there's any team in the world bar maybe Manchester City who and you know what Real Madrid to be fair because Courtois had an unbelievable game in that Champions League final against us, didn't he? He is a really good keeper, but obviously, I mean. He's out with an ACL for this season, so Real Madrid will put them on the list as well. I, I, I don't think there's any, any clubs in the world who wouldn't take our, our keeper, barring, like like I say, maybe Man City because of what Edison does for their system. But yeah, he's, I think the risks, it, it, it's just it's just part of the game. It's part of, it's part of I think, 
every fan's gonna gonna have a, a keeper who's gonna have some heart in mouth moments at, at some point throughout the season. I think that's just part of playing in the Premier League now. And yeah, I, I think ours is he, he's better equipped to handle it than most. And he plays the guitar as well. He's bossing. He's just the old. He's just the old round package, isn't he? He really is. It's just you have them moments where you go, just clear the ball. I mean, I'm. I think Stephen last night, <clears throat> um, Union sort of got their tactics wrong, didn't he? Because they had a six foot five striker up front there, and he just should have been thumping balls up. But he didn't want to. He wanted to try and play out. And at times, as I say, quite an impressive team. Last third touch was lacking a little bit, and Diogo Jota uh, proved just what the difference a team can have in in a player with the ability to just be able to finish a ball off. I mean, how it got there doesn't really matter. A bit of a pinball machine, but the moment he gets that ball, and that's, that he's so strong, isn't he, for a small player, small in stature, but he's strong as an ox. I mean, that, that, that defender was getting nowhere near him and he, he looks up and picks that spot. He's, a, he's, a, he's an absolute world, isn't he, to have up front. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you don't. It's one of them players that you don't really realise what you've got until he's gone. I think the, the goals that he comes up with, you wonder how he comes up with them. And I think he's a bit like one of those players who can have maybe three or four touches in the game, go unnoticed, and he turns up with a goal. And I think I think I speak for most people. You say you, you'd have them strikers in your team nine times out of ten. And I just I think the way he took, takes the goal as well. It's just a, an expert finish. I think someone mentioned it on the anal- uh, the analysis where. He just hits it into the floor and it's just enough to go over the keeper's foot. And I just think he offers that different sort of uh, different sort of output where whereas Nunes is missing those easy chances, but he's also scoring them hard ones as well. And he, he offers a different package to Nunes. And I think it's just two polar opposites of two players you can get where one's chaos and one's just composed and cool. And he wins the headers as well. I've noticed that he's not, he scores a lot more headers than he should do for a player of his size and stature. And I think, I think Liverpool maybe... Were laughed at when he brought in a player from Wolves who just got promoted from the Championship, I think, or around there or thereabouts. And I think he's sort of showing each and every time he's worth every penny Liverpool have paid for him. Yeah, indeed. And Pedro Neto is another one. They've got another worldy there. Definitely bad luck. He's an incredible player. Um, of course, at the weekend, um, Ed, there isn't really any headaches up front, is there? Because we've got Gakpo injured. And we've got Jota suspended, so it, it is looking like it's going to be the front three of uh, Nunez, Salah and Diaz. Um, Diaz came on last night, obviously, a few little bits and bobs. I mean, he's world-class himself, isn't he? Um, but as big game as it's going to be, sort of, I think, he, he, he would, you would imagine that Nunez has done enough so far to stay in there. It was an absolute howler last night, we know that, but it's just the energy he provides, isn't it? The outlet he provides the, the uh, and the pace he provides. Just seems to go through the Liverpool team, doesn't it? And, and and he's just so dangerous. He's very unpredictable. We know that. The rough diamond is still rough. We're still waiting to smooth it off a little bit. But um, uh, enough in it last night to think that he obviously there aren't any choices. But but do you think without the got without the um, Jota uh, suspension, he might have been in the head of him? Or do you think he's done enough to stay stick around in the front? Yeah, I think it's probably the first time this season I actually fancy my chances at guessing what Liverpool's front three is going to look like for for a Premier League game. But yeah, I I I would have I would have been picking Nunes anyway personally. I, I think that's where Jurgen Klopp's head is at, going off what he's done so far this season as well. Nunes has got the nod over over Jota in in those Premier League games more often than not. Obviously, Jota did in um, in that game against Spurs. I mean. 
that one that one last night was a was a real bad one but there's no doubt in my mind that if he'd stayed on for that second half he, he would have got himself a goal at some point he's just such a chance magnet it, he's he's been that way ever ever since he came it, that's not changed at all the only thing that's changed is it, the bad misses are, are, are much more i think fewer and far between than than they were at this point last season certainly i i, I, do, I, I do think every 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 issue he's having all comes back to me for that that headbutt on Wacky Anderson against Crystal Palace, right when he was needing to sort of bed into the team and, and let everyone get used to him. That three game suspension, I think, really hurt him. I, I think he, he he is still paying the price for that in terms of his development, the way he fits in the squad. But I, I do I do really think we've seen a, a big change in him this season. I, I, I maybe wasn't wasn't convinced at, at the end of last season. I certainly wasn't convinced at the end of preseason for this season that he'd be he'd be the man up top for Liverpool this season. I thought Gakpo would would be the one through the middle, but I know he's injured now. But he, he he's not really solidified a place in that in in that front three anywhere near as much as as Nunes has. And, and like you say, Fitzy, I think Nunes has probably done enough to be to be getting the nod against Brighton anyway. Like you say, the, the chaos that he brings, the pace. I, I I just come back to if you were a centre back, you, you would not you would not want to play against him. I I know I'd rather play against Jota. All right, Jota's much more likely to get a bit of space and a, a favourable bounce in the box, maybe, and he he does get his goal more often than not. But Nunes would just be such a nightmare to deal with. He really would. You know, it doesn't seem like you can get under his skin anymore and wind him up, which was obviously an issue with that headbutt and, and was a bit of a concern early on but doesn't really seem to be a factor anymore people aren't really targeting him for that and yeah hopefully well i would imagine he he will be starting against brighton and hopefully manages to get himself another goal or two definitely and steven the gravenberg has got to be in the mix somewhere hasn't he i mean off the bench or he, he if we were looking for any kind of replacement for roberto Firmino, not that he can be replaced but um, Gakpo obviously is a great player for doing that, but Gravenberg seems very much in the style of Gakpo, and he's very leggy and uh, does nice little mazy runs. He's got he's got a lot of skill to him as well, some nice little deft touches. So you can see him, <coughs> excuse me, you can see him featuring at some point of the weekend, can't you? Yeah, I think so. It's just a matter of when he does. Um, I think what we've seen yesterday with with Gakpo, uh, Gravenberg, sorry, he's he's got that that silk and he's got that, that bit of style as well, a bit of swag, and he's. You see him after the game. He's loving life at Liverpool. And I don't think you'll see a much smileier interview with uh, with TNT Sport than that. I just think the yeah, club's got a player who who not worships him, but he's got a player who really appreciates what he's done for his career so far. And obviously, but he's only been here just over a month or two now. And he, he seems to be bedding in. Is obviously going to be that transition period. But he said he just needs minutes. And I think the free match ban for Curtis Jones. All I would say it's a difficult one for him. And, for a player who was sort of grown into the room to have a suspension like that's difficult, but it's his opportunity now, and it's it, it looks like he's going to take it. And I think goals like that and then goal involvements are going to do him the world of good. And I think if I could put myself in Jurgen Klopp's shoes with all my coaching badges, which are non-existent as much as a back of a cardboard box on the cereal, but I just think he probably put him in later in the game where where you do have a lead and Brighton are chasing. He's got that legs and he's got that just got that raw power pushing forward. And just to, just to touch back on Nunes, I think he sort of has that aura through the team, doesn't he? Where defenders are going to be scared and going, I can't really be bothered watching him today. I pass him over to my defensive partner and with Brighton, you've got three of them. So it's, I think it's a, it's a match made for both Gravenberch and Nunes. But I think with the midfield that we've got, with Liverpool have got so far, I think it probably just is one 
one star too soon for Gavin Beck. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, that brings us to the back end, and it's it, it's a, it's a it's a dilemma again, isn't it? We're back to the Trent dilemma thing, aren't we? Trent played uh, reasonably well last uh, uh, last night. Um, captain the side, which is always great. I do feel sometimes like he just trots back. Um, it doesn't feel to me like he has that agency to try and cover his position. Um, Joe Gomez came on for him, didn't he, uh, last night? Um, and that's that's probably a bit more of a solid right back. Uh, defensively wise, although he does tend to make a couple of mistakes as well, Gomez. Quance is one for the future, definitely, but um Canate was solid again last night, wasn't he? And I mean even Tomiscus, I thought played played very well did his part. But with Robertson, um and it's got to be uh Canate and Van Dyke, hasn't it? But it's just what he does again with the uh, with the with the uh, the right back position is it's what he does with whether he starts with Gomez or whether he starts with and now obviously getting back up to the pace of the game. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, it, it's an interesting decision, really. I, I don't think anybody would have predicted at the start of this season that this would be a predicament Jurgen Klopp w- would have, particularly. But yeah, Joe Gomez has been really, really, really good this season when he's played at right back. I think Liverpool have looked better defensively when he's been part of that that, that defensive unit at right back. Obviously, I think against Wolves when they sort of had him trying to play the inverted Trent role, that that didn't really work. But I think if you you're just looking for somebody to play as a normal right back who will get forward occasionally put the odd okay ball in I don't think you can do that much better than Joe Gomez this season he's done really well but for me if if Trent feel I mean obviously he played about an hour 70 odd minutes last night he's got back up to fitness if he feels fit and ready I don't see how you can't start him I mean I I, I personally, I've not fallen out of love with this this new system where he plays in that inverted fullback role yet. I still think when he plays there, there's there's no other player in the squad that can can play that role like him. And I think if Jurgen Klopp is sold on that system and that's the one that he wants to be playing as his option A, then obviously we will see Trent starting and we'll see him playing that role because. Uh, when Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't available, you can't really do it. Obviously, we saw Bicetic attempt it against against Lask, and he had an all right game. I'd maybe be interested in seeing him play there again at some point in in one of the the cup competitions again. But yeah, for me, Trent Alexander-Arnold's got to start. They've got to play that system, and they've got to get him on the ball as much as they possibly can because he's just such a unique talent. And I, I think I think last night. It, Maybe maybe you're right, Fitzy, on that point of it. Sometimes not tracking back, not covering defensively as much. But I think especially last night, I, I don't really think there were too many points when he, he, he felt pressured to do that. I think he felt Canate and Quanta had everything covered and and they did for pretty much all of, all of the night. I, I, I think you'd see a bit more urgency if Trent Alexander-Arnold is starting in, in that role on Sunday. And I, I expect he will be. And, and, and I hope that he has another great game and manages to pick up an assist or two and, and maybe a, a goal that shot last night that obviously led to Gravenberg's goal I, I was hoping that one was going to fly into the top corner to be fair because I, I do think he should score more for how, how good of a ball striker he is and, and the positions he gets into I, I do think he needs to add a few more goals to his game but yeah hopefully he can maybe get one on Sunday Yeah and he did spray some absolutely bang on passes last night didn't he chipped one over the top there for for Salah to just bounce and spot on and span on, didn't it? And gave the goalie uh, a chance to, to catch it. But 
an incredible player, Stephen. I think it's just for me, it's about developing a system that when he is getting forward, the the, the, the we've done it before where Canate <clears throat> moved across and covered his space, and it, and they just move across and cover that just so there isn't a whole a whole pocket there for for opposing strikers to run into when he because because like like it or not, he doesn't really he doesn't. He doesn't spin back, Trent. He, he he is at the moment just um, he sort of jogs his way back from from midfield. And and if if he's going to do that, but we're going to lose a lot of quality if we don't play him, then it just has to be worked out that that, that someone else picks up the slack, Stephen, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think with that being said, there's a lot of lessons to learn from Brighton last season. Where I think it's going to be the same this this time around, where they're not going to look to go toe to toe with Liverpool, you know. Let them try and they need to win more than we do, type of thing. And they're going to be looking to sort of hit Liverpool on the counter. And I think Trent's becoming one of them luxury players now, which you don't you don't get a fullback, you don't get anywhere else apart from your strikers. Um, Liverpool need to work towards his strengths, and his strengths obviously the creativity aspect. And if he does need to go forward, it, it's more beneficial to Liverpool. But then they need to be aware of the the threats going back. And I think it's going to be very much the case for Sunday where. They're going to have to just get people covering, and maybe where there's maybe two sitting midfielders, not not formational wise, but somewhat they're going to have to have two people sitting in. And I think we we saw with Marseille last night that Brighton are, especially with Aston Villa at the weekend, they're not a team who don't ship goals. What is it now? It's eight in two games, and obviously that's going to be playing on their minds. And Liverpool need to sort of capitalise on that. And I think what we see earlier in the season with Liverpool and the free scoring nature. It's it's certainly there to be to be snatched upon, and I think when it comes down to the the sort of defensive aspect, they do need to actually just to completely go off track on that. There is an element of revenge from last season as well. They got knocked out of the defence of the FA Cup, and they got absolutely embarrassed on one of the the tired away trips at the Amex. So I think it's going to be an extra sense of motivation for Liverpool, and I think using that, but especially with with Van Dijk and now Alexander and Arnold, both captain and vice captain, I think they're going to be looking to charge from the front and definitely leave from it as well. Yeah, we're talking about that one last season. I mean, you feel like we're, you're dealing with a different Liverpool now, Ed, aren't you? I mean, look, Sunday was a was a catastrophe. The, the the Spurs game, sorry, was an absolute catastrophe uh, on Saturday. But um, what you have to remember is we were down to nine men for most of that game and and still staved them off. They weren't ever going to score. It didn't look like it was a it was a phenomenal digging in performance, wasn't it? And uh, eleven against well twelve against nine, you could call it, couldn't you? Um, so we have to take the positives from that. And this is a different team now, surely, isn't it? It's a different squad. It's it's a different team that went to Brighton and got humbled. And and you'd like to think that we have a, a Liverpool team that we can put out there now that's going to put a much better display against these teams. Yeah, I think in the last few weeks I've been a bit hesitant to sort of say that, but I, I think we've seen one one too many, you know, spirit building performances. You know, where Liverpool have, have showcased the amount of fight they've got in this new squad. That you know, I I, I do think this Liverpool two point have have proven that they've got certainly the team spirit to to go on and challenge City for for a title, whether that be this season, maybe more realistically a bit next season. But it's, it's whether the, the, they've got the quality and whether the, the quality players can stay fit now for me. I, I, I think in these past few weeks, we've seen so many performances where we've gone down to 10, obviously against Spurs, went down to nine. And there, there is no doubt in my mind that... Um, 
down to 10 men, if that Luis Diaz goal stands and we go 1-0 up, we, we win that game. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever. Spurs are Spurs. It was, I can't remember if it was 16 or 17 we were unbeaten against them. You know, they have they have been our whipping boys in recent years. That, that's a fact. Every year Liverpool have, have, have done something notable, you know, won, won a trophy or two. Part of that season has been hammering Spurs, whether that be home or away. It, it's a fixture of a good Liverpool season, and it, it, it should have happened. It should have happened again this 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 past week. I mean, that should have been a fixture that we'll point to at the end of the season and go, "That's a moment where Liverpool proved they were title contenders, maybe even title winners." You know, we'll see. And I think I don't want to come back to that 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 VAR and the offside thing, but I think. One of the main reasons it's so frustrating, beyond the fact it's just such an unprecedented and, and ridiculous error, is that we know that come the end of the season, rather than pointing to it as, as a result that showed our spirit and showed we were maybe title winners, we know we could all be looking back at that and going, we just lost the title to City by a point again. Look at it. It's another Rodri handball. It's another Sterling offside in, in 13, 14 when he was playing for Liverpool. You know, there's there's one too many of these moments you can point to and be like, you know, Liverpool Liverpool should have at least one extra Premier League. And I, I, part of me, obviously, I want us to I want us to push City all the way, and I, I do think we are capable of that this season. But part of me does think. You know, if 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 we if we get to that stage and, and we beat Wolves, I know we're not playing Wolves at home last game of the season, but it always seems like we do when we're going up against City. If we beat whoever we're playing at Anfield last game of the season and, and we end up losing by a point, every, everyone's first reaction is going to be that Diaz goal, and 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 people people will be rightly furious about it. I mean, the fury is obviously going to die down in these next few weeks, but everyone's been kicking off about it rightly so, and I I just hope that. Obviously, we don't want to forget about it. Changes have to be made. I just hope that we're not talking about this again come the end of the season because that would just be so bitterly disappointing. With, like I say, the, the fighting spirit Liverpool have showed so far this season, I, I, I don't think it's going too soon now to say that. I don't want to say Liverpool are back and the, and they are going to push City all the way right to the last game, but I, I do think Liverpool will will comfortably be the best of the rest at, at least this season. Let's hope so, mate. And it does come for, to a point when we lose the season, you won't be able to buy a hand grenade anyway. Um, Stephen, let's have a quick um, a quick prediction of the scores. Of course, we've got Brighton on Sunday. It's a two o'clock kickoff, and then uh, just a little matter on the twenty first of October of because um, we're international duty. Twenty first of October is uh, is uh, the derby at Anfield. So first and foremost, Brighton away, tough side, a very very good side, well managed. Um, and uh, and we're tough and uh, for us last season. So, what's your predictions quickly, Stephen, for this uh, for for this game on Sunday? I think we've we found in recent weeks, haven't we, that Liverpool have been facing these other challenges. And they've overcome them. So, I think with Brighton in mind, I think it's just going to be another three-one win. Okay, sir. What about you, Ed? I, I I have to say, as as positive as I've been about this Liverpool team, I, I do really like Brighton and and going away to the Amex. Obviously, it was a difficult one last season. I I, I think I think we'll draw. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go two two. Okay, I'll go for a two one uh, victory for Liverpool, and more importantly, uh, trying to finish the game with eleven men on the pitch. Um, that'll be a start, wouldn't it? Uh, Ed, thank you very much. Uh, Ed McKay, appreciate it, mate. Stephen Killen, thank you very much. Uh, that was another poetry emotion. The Reds keep marching on. Some things are out of our control. 
Um, but we are definitely a, a better looking team than we have been in recent seasons and um, we are pushing and we will be there or thereabouts. I'll see you on the next Poetry Motion. But for now, thank you to Ed Kay and Stephen Killen and uh, we'll see you all again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Poetry in Motion from the Liverpool Echoes Blood Red channel. 